great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's telling us that we have this better hope, and as a result of that, we have boldness. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we have the boldness to be able to share the good news with other people. We have boldness to enter into the throne room of God himself because Jesus has purchased our access with his very own blood. And that kind of boldness is not ours because of anything that we have done, but because of everything that Jesus has done through the new covenant. And to show us how this better hope works itself out uh, through a a better hope, Uh, Paul draws a contrast between what we'll call the veiled life and the unveiled life. And so he's using that imagery from that passage in Exodus to describe what is true of people before they know Jesus and then what is true of uh, of people who do know Jesus. So let's start with the veiled life life in verses 12 through 15. Part of the reason Moses wore that veil was to prevent the Israelites from seeing that the glory on his face was fading away. They didn't understand this reality because their hearts were hard as the stone tablets that God inscribed the law on. And Paul says that even in his own day, Most of the Jewish people had hearts and minds that were hardened. And even as they sat in the synagogue Saturday after Saturday and heard the words of the law read, there was a veil over their eyes so they couldn't see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And before we get too full of ourselves and look down our noses, at the Jewish people, and conclude we're somehow better, think again. Because every single one of us enters this world with a heart as hard as those stone tablets. We enter this world with a veil that covers our eyes, that prevents us from seeing the beauty of Jesus. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you came in this morning And you came here to hear God's word, but you honestly don't get what the big deal is. You think, you know, a little religion is good, but you shouldn't get carried away here, people. I mean, come on, don't take this stuff so seriously. And friends, that's where all of us end up unless something supernatural happens. And that is exactly what Paul is going to describe in verses 16 through 18 when he talks about the unveiled life. He's described the veiled life, now it's the unveiled life. So if our default setting is to enter this world with hearts of stone covered with a veil, what has to happen in order for that to change? What has to happen is a person needs to turn away from sin and to the Lord. But then you ask, well, how does that happen if we're dead in our sins? We have hardened hearts, veiled eyes. How does that happen? Well, God had promised a new covenant back in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. And this is what he promised he would do. 
I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That is in essence what Paul is describing here in 2 Corinthians 3. That passage from Ezekiel 36 helps us understand what Paul means when he says in verse 17 here in 2 Corinthians 3, look with me again. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So at least part of what God is saying through Paul here is that only the Lord can take out those hearts of stone and give us a new heart that is responsive to God rather than rebellious against his ways. The Spirit is the one who performs this heart surgery on us to free us from being slaves to our own sinful desires. The Spirit is the one who removes that veil that once covered our eyes and our hearts. And he takes up permanent residence in us to give us the desire and the power to obey. Earlier we summarized the story of Moses' encounter with God, uh, pleading with him to forgive Israel and to, to get a glimpse of his glory. But actually we need to dive back in a little bit more into that story because I didn't tell you the whole story. You see, when Moses asked the Lord to show him his glory, I want you to hear what God specifically said to him. And let me read to you from Exodus chapter 33, verses 19 and 20. God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Now listen close. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Now with that in the background, let's look again at what the results of the Spirit performing this supernatural heart surgery are. Look with me at verse 18 again in 2 Corinthians 3. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Friends, not even Moses was allowed to see the face of God. Done for us in this new covenant, and what the Spirit has done for us, we as believers are able to see the glory of the Lord in a way that transcends even what Moses experienced. It's as if we are standing in front of a mirror, but instead of seeing our own image reflected back, what we see is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the fullness of the image of God in human flesh. And the longer that we stare at that face of Jesus Christ, 
the more we are transformed to reflect His beauty and His glory as the Holy Spirit empowers us to obey the Lord with delight. Friends, that's the better hope of the new covenant. God taking out that heart of stone and replacing it with a heart that is responsive to God. God lifting the veil from our eyes so we can see the glory of Jesus Christ and we can be transformed by that. And as we gaze at the beauty of Jesus, as we read the word and see the beauty of Christ displayed on every page, that transforms us so that we more and more closely reflect the glory of our Savior. And friends, that is a hope that surpasses anything the world can offer. It is an anchor in the midst of a culture and a world that is always changing. You know, there are so many things that we see on a daily basis that have virtually no impact on us. But there are some things that we see that have the power to change our lives. And there is no greater example of this than when a person truly sees Jesus for who he really is. It's through him that God displays his glory in a better covenant that gives us a better hope. And for some of you here this morning, you've never seen the beauty of Jesus Maybe you find yourself wondering why we as Christians make such a big deal about this Jesus guy. Maybe you think he was a great teacher or a great leader, but you can't understand why people would totally surrender their lives to him. And if that is you this morning, oh friends, I am asking the Lord to remove that hard heart and to lift that veil so you can see for the very first time, the beauty of Jesus. Because there's no one like him. Not even close. Stop for a minute and consider that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Who before all eternity lived in heaven and was worshipped non-stop by the angelic host. Higher than any earthly ruler. Deserving of all praise that anyone could possibly offer. And yet... He humbled himself and took the form of a servant and went to the cross to suffer for our sins, a slave's death. Jesus was the ultimate embodiment of justice, completely sinless in thought, desire, inclination, word, and action. Yet, he took upon himself the condemnation that you and I deserved for our sin so that he could show us the depths and the riches of God's mercy and grace. Jesus was the ultimate embodiment of goodness, and yet he suffered the greatest act of human evil so that he might transform us from rebels to sons and daughters. Friends, that's only a glimpse of what the Bible shows us about the beauty of Jesus, and he offers to be your savior, to rescue you from your slavery to sin, death, and Satan. What more could you ask for 
in a Savior than Jesus. And not only does he offer to be your Savior, to rescue you, he offers to be your friend, your shepherd, and your constant companion. He offers himself to you in all his fullness, and he will not reject anyone who comes to him in repentance and faith. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Make today the day that you turn your life to Jesus and trust in him. And for those of us who have already had that veil removed and put our trust in Jesus, I want us to delight in what God has done for us to give us a better hope. It's true that now we can only see the face of Jesus as it's revealed to us in Scripture. But friends, brothers and sisters, there's coming a day when we will see His face with our glorified eyes. Listen to how Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5 describes it. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. And His name will be written on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Can you even imagine what it would be like, what it will be like to see the physical face of Jesus? To look into those eyes. The eyes of the one who loves you more than you can ever imagine and knows you better than you know yourself. To see the delight in his eyes break across his face in this smile that in effect says, I am so thrilled you're finally here in this new Eden that I made for us to dwell in together. Welcome home. And to hear those words come from his lips, enter into the joy of your master. Oh, brothers and sisters, with each passing day, I long for that more and more. And because we have that hope, we are called to live in a certain way now. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 through 3 captures this when it says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, he shall, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he himself is pure. Brothers and sisters, let's live as those who have that hope this week. Lord, thank you for a better covenant that gives us a better hope. And thank you for Jesus. Thank you for opening our eyes, for removing that hard heart 
for removing the veil that blinded us from seeing the beauty of your Son, Jesus. And now, Father, I pray that your Spirit would do his great work in our lives to give us a fresh glimpse of the beauty of Christ so that we will indeed be changed and that you would stir in us greater delight and hope and expectation of that last day when we will see the face of Jesus. We ask it for his sake and for our ultimate joy. Amen.